The views, information, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the speakers and do not represent Holding Short Media nor any organization that the speakers have been, currently are, or will be affiliated with. Welcome to the Holding Short Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Matheson. Today we are joined by Janelle Walters. Janelle's journey into the exciting world of aviation was entirely a fluke. She had always been interested in travel and adventure, but had never considered aviation as a career path. Unbeknownst to her, Janelle's mom had submitted a job application for her to the Calgary Airport Authority after she had graduated high school. Following a confusing phone call, she attended the interview and was enthralled by the hustle and bustle of airside operations and was offered a job. After a summer at the airport, Janelle was hooked. Janelle worked for a couple more years in her original field of choice, hospitality and events. However, she could not shake the feeling that she belonged in the aviation world. She decided to head back to school, and after applications, exceptions, and a few program pros and cons lists, she decided on Georgian College. Janelle graduated in 2016, receiving an advanced diploma in aviation management with honors. Her career in aviation has let her explore many parts of the industry, airports, general aviation, commercial aviation, private aviation, and most recently, the world of rotary aircraft. Janelle's favorite thing about the industry is the diversity and working people, and she promises that the fast-paced nature of aviation will never leave you bored. I am so truly excited to have her joining me today. Welcome, Janelle. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. How are you? I'm good, thanks. All that to say, how did you get your start in aviation? My aviation career started by complete accident. My mom actually applied for a job for me over 10 years ago. Um, I was kind of in between, like, do I go back to school? Do I take a gap year? And then I got a call from the airport authority in Calgary one day, and I was sleeping like a teenager. It's like noon. I woke up all groggy. It's like, hey, it's Roxanne from the airport authority. I was like, what? (laughs) who are you? I never applied for a job. So confused. She's giving me directions for this interview and it's down this like back road at the airport. She's like, don't go to the main terminal, go to this tower and this and this and this. I'm like, who is this lady? But I went to the interview, um, called my mom. I was like, the strangest thing happened to me. Like this lady called me from the airport. She's like, oh, I sent in your application. I was like, maybe you could have told me that because I got a call. Um, anyways, fast forward, I go to the interview and I am airside at the airport completely like I had no idea what they did there. I'm just mind blown. I'm like, Oh my God, that machine's so big. What's this? What does that do? This girl's giving me a tour of like all the snow removal machines, all the tractors, like everything airside to keep the airfields maintained and everything like that. And she's introducing me to all these people. And I'm like, what kind of world is this? Like, what is this other world at the airport? You think, you know, when you're that age, you don't really know anything about aviation. You go to the terminal, you get on your plane. That's it. Like, that's all the airport has. You don't know anything. Like people will go and maintain the lights. People maintain the runways. You, you never think about that kind of stuff. So it was a whole new world and I fell in love with it. And I asked a million questions when she called me back to offer me the job. She actually said, 
I hired you because you would not stop asking questions about the airport and you were so impressed with everything. So that's how it started. I love that it was in such a roundabout way that you got into aviation and the idea that what in the employer's mind made you the perfect candidate for that role was the fact that they could see, even though this was all new to you, just how passionate you were and how interesting and uh, how curious you were about the industry. I think that's a really lovely way of sort of getting your foot in the door into aviation. Yeah, definitely. I honestly, after that point, could not stop thinking about it. And I just, I started exploring different options and I think I was just meant to be there and never really thought about a career in aviation or anything, but it just felt right. So asking those questions was just easy because I was actually interested in something, not trying to like force my way through an interview or anything. I was so curious about every single aspect. So what does your mom think based on the fact that she is the one who got you into aviation sort of behind your back and that it's something that you've become so passionate about and know that no matter what role you play in it, it's always going to be something it's always going to be an industry that you're working in. What does, what does your mom think of that? My mom and both my parents in general are very happy with my career choice. They think it's awesome. They know, like all my friends and family know how much I light up when I talk about aviation. You know, oftentimes the comment I get from my friends is you're so passionate about it when you talk about it. It's crazy. Like I've never seen anyone talk about their job like this. So my mom sees that come through and she's happy for me. And the funny thing is, I'm pretty sure she, my brother used to work at WestJet and I'm pretty sure my mom applied for his job for him too. So it was kind of like a family joke that like my mom just kept applying for these aviation jobs for us. And then my brother worked at WestJet forever and they obviously benefited from his companion pass. So I was like, oh, sorry, I couldn't provide you guys (laughs) with the companion pass because I took a different route, but they were just still happy. So they're like, oh, both our kids are in aviation. It's so exciting. And they love to travel too. So it's just like this big aviation loving family. Now, aviation, as you've mentioned, was not something that came to you automatically when you were thinking about careers. Why was that? Was it just that you weren't exposed to aviation or was there something else at play? Yeah, not, I never had been exposed to aviation. No one in my family was in the industry. Um I always wanted to travel for work. So I was actually in hospitality management. So I was like, oh, I'm going to run a hotel. Oh, I'm going to go travel the world and do this, this, and this. And I never really thought of aviation because I think it was still a very male dominated industry. Like it wasn't at career fairs for females. We didn't have, you know, a flyer at school saying like, have an exciting career in aviation, Be, become a pilot, become an aircraft engineer become an aviation lawyer, like become all these things that you never think about becoming, you know, we're subjected to become a flight attendant. And there's nothing wrong with being a flight attendant. I was a flight attendant. I thought it was very fulfilling. I met amazing people on that journey. But the information just isn't there for the different types of jobs, or it wasn't there. So I'm glad that now it's coming out saying you can do all these things. Do you want to be an AME? Go do it. If you want to do this, go do it. Like, that's where I hope it's, it becomes more available to more people is you can do whatever you want. And I think that's another interesting part of aviation as well, is that there's all these jobs that people don't know existed. And so someone can say, well, I don't really think aviation is for me, but you could have a background in computer science. You could have a background yeah. in environmental sciences, and there is a place for you in aviation. I think uh, 
aviation has been great about showcasing how many roles there are and all the different things you can do. And pretty much, in my opinion, if there, if you can think about it outside of aviation, there is probably that role in aviation or a direct equivalent. Yeah, that's a great point. I I agree with that 100%. Any job that you can think of, there is something in aviation that you can do. You know, aviation marketing, aviation business development, like there's every single job is available. And then if you have a passion for aviation and a passion for something else, aviation copywriter, like who would have thought, you know, if you have a passion for aviation and you have a side passion, you can combine them together to create a career. And that's a good thing about the industry too, is sometimes there's some of the jobs that I've had, there's been no posting for them. You know, I've had people reach out and say, I know these are your strengths. This is kind of the position we have. We'll work around like what we think you would fit into our organization. And there's a job developed right there based on, you know, your individual skill sets and then what the company needs at the same time. Like that's happened more than once to me. So it is possible. So you work in the rotary section of aviation. Were you initially drawn to rotary more so than fixed wing or how did you end up in that facet? I wouldn't say I was drawn to rotary more. Um, I actually was drawn to airport authorities more, the airport side of things. Uh, I don't really have you know, a facet necessarily that I wanted to explore more or less. Um, I worked in commercial at, at one point and it wasn't really my cup of tea. Also private, like not my favorite either. But uh, rotary kind of fell in my lap. Again, one of those things like take the opportunity as it comes. And I was definitely always interested in helicopters, but I didn't ever think of that. I would go down that path. After my initial job at the airport, I always thought I'd be in the airport world, but that hasn't been the case. So could you tell us a little bit more about the day-to-day of your role? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so mainly the last few years, I've been working in operation-type settings. And I guess every day starts with kind of putting any fires out that need to be put out, go into the office, see what's changed, you know, what's pressing. Do you need to move crew around? Do you need to move aircraft around? Um, it's really diverse every day. You could have a thought process of what you need to do, but it's going to change. So you got to kind of go in and structure your weeks. Like this is what I need to get done this week, but it's not necessarily going to be the day that I have to get it done because there could be something massive that happens. It could be a quiet day. You never know. And you just kind of, you have to be flexible all the time. So I guess, uh, yeah, just checking where crew are, checking where aircraft are, seeing if your job's on track, um, kind of anything pressing like that. Um, I've been in roles where I track pilot duty days. Um, I'm responsible for crewing pilots and engineers or my last few roles, primarily pilots. But yeah, definitely making sure they're not surpassing their duty day, that they're feeling okay. You know, I like to check in on the, with them on a personal level because we're in the stigma with the industry that, you know, I can do anything, go, go, go. Like I'm the best of the best. And lots of people are like that. And you have to take a step back sometimes and say, are you actually okay to do this job? Are you actually okay to be operating? I know you say on paper you are, you know, we have the duty days, you check every box, everything on the list, but are you okay to be doing this? Mostly my jobs have been like the scheduling side of things and jobs, like making sure the jobs are 
on track that their pilots meet the requirements for the jobs, that engineers meet requirements, like working with the client, like liaising with the clients and the pilot and engineer to make sure that they meet that kind of relationship standard. When you say relationship standard, is it just more that they have someone that in kind of uh, a personality type that they're looking for beyond yeah. just, oh, okay. So like you could be perfect on paper with your, you know, you hold the right ACA, you hold the right licenses, all that. But if you're not a good fit for the client, also, you're not going to, it's not going to be a good fit for the job. Sometimes the clients are very specific and they'll be like, we don't want to work with this person. Like they've been to our site before. We don't like them. Like they don't mesh with our staff, blah, blah, blah. It's my job to put someone else in that role. But then at the same time, like I have the crew coming to me and saying, well, like I want this job. I'm perfect for it. Give me this job. And you're like, no, you're not. Kind of thing. So I guess a part of your role then is also kind of being a quote unquote matchmaker between yeah. the crew that you have and then the uh, clients that you have as well. Totally. Yeah. Now I'm thinking back as well to the idea of um, this sort of like this ongoing puzzle of aviation every day or every week, month, however you want to expand it, being a puzzle and trying to figure it out and job satisfaction from being the one to put all the pieces together. Uh, is there a particular a uh, puzzle that you had to solve at work that you're particularly pleased with that really resonates with you that um, you can that you can talk about. Was there a particular puzzle that you were really happy to solve? Oh my gosh, there's so many. But I think my favorite kind of puzzle is when you have a ton of different aircrafts and a ton of different pilots and engineers, and you're like, okay, you, you know, you're watching things like tour like vacation time, um, switching aircraft, moving locations, all these things. So when you have 60 or 70 aircraft and then a hundred plus pilots and a hundred plus engineers, and you're making this plan and you know, you're, you're moving everything around and you have, I used to have a whiteboard on my desk and I've always asked every position I've gotten, like, I need a whiteboard on my desk and everyone's like, that's kind of weird. Okay. But I draw it out and I'm like, okay, this person needs to go here and this needs to go here and this this plane needs to go here or this helicopter needs to go here. And you make this big convoluted puzzle. But not only that, you have like a backup in case something happens. So you have your primary puzzle and then you're like, oh, in case this piece gets wet, like I have a, a new piece. In case somebody gets sick, I have a new piece. In case something happens, like I have a piece that fits in there, you have a floater or whatever. So I think just like the grand scheme of how big these puzzles can get with you know, project timelines and maintenance requirements and pilot requirements and duty days and things like that. And putting all of these different things together into one puzzle is crazy. When you look at it and you're like, I thought of every single thing that needs to go in there. And obviously I miss things, but then you have great crew or great support system that are like, Hey, you might miss this thing. So when it all comes together, it's just incredible. Now, what training does someone need to have for your role? Pretty much every job I've had is so, there's similarities, but they're so diverse that you kind of learn, got to learn on the spot. And it definitely helps having an aviation background and knowing aircraft specifications and pilot, uh, pilot specifications and engineer and that type of thing, you know, kind of knowing how long a maintenance, something in maintenance is going to take, how long it's going to take someone to fix something when you're scheduling them or you know, this aircraft is going to be down for this amount of time because if you don't know 
the premise of it, you're not going to be very good or proficient at scheduling. I went to Georgian College and studied aviation management. I graduated in 2016 um, with my advanced diploma in aviation management with honors. That was a really fun time. It was a program I never really thought much of, but after I had taken, after I'd initially worked in aviation and I couldn't really stop thinking about it and I was in post-secondary for something unrelated to aviation and I wanted to go back. And so I went back as a mature student. I applied for several programs in Ontario because there's not a lot out West here, but uh, I ended up flying to Ontario, kind of scoping out the colleges, seeing what was the best fit. And I really liked operations. So I ended up choosing Georgian because the courses half were specific to aviation, half were specific to business. I think it's really interesting because you're not the first guest we've had who has fallen in love with aviation, gone to post-secondary for one thing and realized along that process somewhere in their post-secondary experience that what they really want to do is be in aviation. So I think it's uh, definitely a second career for a lot of people, but maybe a first love. Definitely. I remember always being fascinated by aircraft, but I never thought of it as a career at all. You know, I loved going to the airport. I loved being at the airport because I always meant I was going on adventure. And I think that's really why I wanted to get into aviation was that adventure aspect and not necessarily like traveling for work or anything like that, but every day is an adventure because every day is so different. And you're, you're like, I don't know what's going to happen today when I get to work. It could, <laughs> something crazy could happen or something. It could be the most boring day of your life, but you never know. You're always on your toes. Now, what were some strategies that have helped you along the way so far in aviation? I would say ask questions. Ask questions to everyone. Use your subject matter experts. I've been in roles where, you know, I, I have no idea what I'm doing when I first start. You know, you're just feeling it out, figuring it out yourself, but ask people. They've been in this career for a long time, a lot of them. Years, 20 years, 40 years. Wealth of knowledge is all around you. If you don't have someone, you can check out forums. If you don't have someone, somebody knows somebody. You know, I've reached out to random friends of a friend of somebody to ask them questions if they're the subject matter expert in that field. That's one of them. The other one is be adaptable. You have to be adaptable in aviation. You can't, I used to be so rigid in wanting things to go. This is how I want it to go. This day needs to go perfect like this. That went out the window the second I got my first job in aviation. You have to be adaptable or else you're not going to make it in the industry. Things change per second. You have to be quick on your feet, ready to change your plan of action, and just go with the flow, basically. I think that's a very good point, though, within aviation is that oftentimes if you have a question, there are usually people that you can ask. And if they don't have the answers, I find in general, people are, people are quite good about saying, well, I don't have the answer, but I know someone who does. And this yeah. sort of network of shared learning and this whole, I want to say, culture of sharing the resources and the knowledge that you have, I find that that's a really uh, beautiful thing within the industry. People are always willing to share their knowledge with other people or are almost always willing to share um, their experience and their expertise. I was going to say, if anything, everyone in aviation loves to talk, so they just want to tell their story all the time, and they're, like, willing to help you out. Um, I think the hardest part is starting to ask for help because, you know, sometimes it's uncomfortable. You don't know that person, or you don't know how to 
approach them. But once you go, get going and you start not caring what people think, you can just ask whoever. This is a world where there's 14 meanings for one acronym. Of course, we need to ask questions. If not, somebody's going to have a miscommunication somewhere. So yeah. better to ask and be certain that something's correct than just kind of wing it. Now, what is the most rewarding aspect of your role? Honestly, I think I love when things come together. Like I feel like a day at work is like a puzzle. So everything is all over the place. You know, you have a crisis going on. Something's not, you know, you've got an aircraft broken down. You've got a crew sick. Something's going wrong. And it always goes wrong. (laughs) Um, You know, you're frantic all the time. And then you put your puzzle together and it's chaos in the middle. And then it comes together and you're like, I did that. I smoothed my puzzle. It's perfect. Everything worked out the way it's supposed to. That and just the people in aviation. I've met so many wonderful people and it's unlike any work environment I've ever been in. And I would never want to change that for the world because I mean, there's a lot of personalities, but it keeps it interesting. And it's just everyone's so pretty much everyone is so passionate about their jobs. And that's what I love is you can tell when you go to work that people love being there. Even when you're having the worst day, somebody's coming to your office to remind you, we can do this. We can figure this out. It's not a big issue. Like we'll just shuffle some things. When you have that support system and these wonderful people that want to make you successful, then you feel good about yourself too. And when you can rely on each other, it's perfect. So through your post-secondary experience at Georgian College, uh, you have a specialization in operations management. How do you think this changes the way you approach your role? I think learning about operations management through college has helped me in roles kind of establish a process for myself. So when I go into a role, even if I don't know the ins and outs of it, I can say, you know, what do I need in this role to be successful? What do I have to do on a daily basis or a weekly basis? Or the premise behind these roles are the same. Have a successful workflow. You know, crew successfully, schedule successfully, have a successful job. Um, having a process in mind helps you keep on track, even though every day is going to change. So you kind of, you know, it's flexible, it's a moving piece, but you have a premise there that if I kind of follow this system that I developed for myself, because you're not going to go into a role most of the time that has a process and procedure in place. I've been in so many positions where it's like, here you go, figure it out, which is fine. But then it's a little bit overwhelming at first. And you're like, well, what do I do with all this information? So you have to sit down, dissect it, figure out what works for you, and then kind of make your own process for that. And that's what I love about ops is, you know, it's almost like a a checklist, but it's a free flowing checklist because as long as it gets done, it's good. But there are things that have timelines on them and constraints. And there's other things that could be pushed, but you just have to know when to prioritize those. I think this idea of approaching a new role as methodically as possible um, and trying to figure out where you need to improve in in order to sort of uh, raise yourself to the new position and rise to the occasion, uh, there's a certain level of self-awareness there that you definitely would need to have, and I I admire that about you. Usually when I try, when I get into a new role, I try to approach it as 
I'm not trying to change the process and procedure that is in place right now. I'm trying to improve it. So I'll, I'll try to sit down with the different departments that are going to be affected by that role or the different individuals, see what works for them, see what works for me, kind of combine them together and say like, okay, this is probably the best solution for us. If there's something that's like an absolute no for you guys, let's work on that. If there's something that's absolute no for me, let's work on that. But I don't think the approach works when people go in and say, we're changing all of this. Like things in aviation change all the time. You have to go in saying things are going to change. Yes. But what system will work for all of us and kind of combine that together and see if it works and then have your own personal systems on the side that work for you. What advice would you have for someone considering an aviation career? I would say be adaptable, be open to connections with people that you may necessarily not necessarily think would be your friend or a mentor or anyone. Just be open to people, like asking people for help, be adaptable and keep in mind that aviation is a small network. So somebody that you know knows somebody. So always be have that in the back of your mind. Keep a positive attitude as much as you can and just work hard in the industry, I guess. I took it as the approach out of college that I had nothing really holding me back or tying me to one location, which I know isn't always the case for a lot of people. Like, you know, they're, they've got families or homes or whatever that they need to stay in that, that location. I didn't have that. So I really did dive deep and say like, okay, whatever position comes up that is right for me at that time, I will take. And it's taken me all over Canada. I've been out East in Ontario, in Montreal. I've been in Edmonton, Calgary, Kelowna. Like I just kind of take it as it comes. What other advice would you have just for some, maybe considering rotary more specifically? Be patient with, uh, with the training or getting into rotary. It's not as easy to get into the industry for pilots, especially as it is with fixed wing, because there's a lot of jobs that take minimum requirements. So you graduate school, you're all excited that you got your pilot's license and then you start applying and you realize like, I don't have the requirements to meet these jobs, but keep your head up. There are jobs out there. And if you're really committed to it, you will find those jobs. You'll get those hours you need and somebody's going to hire you. You just have to stick, stick with it. Stay the course. I definitely never thought of aviation as a career ever. Um, like I said before, I definitely love traveling. I was excited by the airport, but you know, I was just like how most people are when they think about aviation. You got your few main jobs. You got a flight attendant, a pilot, an engineer. That's all you think about. Um, and then when I started getting into aviation, realized how many unique job positions are everything, like, you know, everything from the airfield to operators of the airfield. Aviation lawyers, aviation, every, uh, there's so many jobs that you can't even, there's stuff I still don't even know. And I'm like, that's your job. You work in aviation. It's crazy. Like technical writer for aviation, you know, primarily just do aviation magazines. Like there's so many jobs out there. So many facets of aviation I think are just incredible. And that's where I think anyone that says like, oh, aviation's like not for me. 
might not be, but anyone in aviation that's bored in their current career but loves their the field in general, they might not necessarily be in the right facet because there's so much out there and you will find your position that you are in love with. My favorite part of the job is when going to work doesn't feel like work. You wake up every morning and you're like, you're excited to go to the office. You're excited to see all your friends at work and your coworkers and, you know, what does today have in store for me? And you just, you jump out of bed because you're like, I can't wait to get to the airport. That's my favorite feeling. I can't wait to see the helicopters. I can't wait to see the aircraft. Like, I can't wait to go to the airport. That's my favorite feeling. Now, how did or did not having a mentor impact your career path? Honestly, I felt like in college, I had a couple professors that did want to help out, but I had a lot that I didn't feel like they did. They didn't care. You know, there's some of that stigma stuff about women in aviation. It was hard. I wish I had a female mentor in college to kind of guide me through, help me through whatever questions I had. Luckily, in some of my other positions, I have had that. So I never felt like I was missing out that much. But even just a, a mentor to tell you all the different, you, you know, you, in college, you touch on a little bit of everything, what kind of careers there are, this, that, and the other, but there's so much more in the real world than what you actually go through. So being, you know, released from college and then you're like, I don't know what to do with myself. It's hard, but luckily I feel thankful the last few years I've stumbled upon Elevate and I've met some some wonderful women like you and other women. And I know that if I have questions, I can turn to them at any point in time, send them a message or reach out and just say, Hey, I'm a little bit lost. Like, do you have any guidance? So I'm thankful that with social media and these, these programs that more women are reaching out to each other and saying, Hey, we're here to support each other. Like, let's find a way to do this. But I've also had lots of male mentors in the industry. So I'm not just saying I wish I had a female mentor. I've had a lot of amazing mentors in the industry that have just helped helped me through my career path. And the best and most memorable ones are the ones that take the time to explain things to you and just sit you down and say, like, I'm here for you, whatever you need kind of thing. And do you find that changes how you approach your own mentees now or when people come to you asking for advice knowing that you felt like you didn't always have that to the degree that you hoped definitely I've had random people reach out to me on social media or Facebook messages and say hey like I I see you're into this like or a friend of a friend gave me your name do you mind if I ask you questions I'm like absolutely not please send it my way if you have any questions let me know I've gone to school type situations and presented at them or you know if kids have questions trying to ask answer them when I can now the idea of having mentors who are men versus mentors who are women in aviation um there is a different perspective that you have from a mentor who is a man than a mentor as a woman if you yourself identify as a young woman yeah uh I'm not saying one's better than the other. There is just definitely a different perspective. I think women oftentimes bring a lot more soft skills to the table, which I try to bring into my work. And I think guys are oftentimes surprised by that because they're used to this like harsh reality of just do your job. That's it. And then when you're 
you know, sitting down, not saying that all guys don't, some guys don't do this, but when you're like, how are you? Are you okay? How are things at home? Like they're kind of taken aback, but just at school, well, when I was going to school and stuff, you know, there was a few harsh comments from some professors saying like, you know, women have to behave like this in the industry. And you're taken aback. You're like, what do you mean women have to behave like this? Everyone should have to behave like this. We're a diverse industry. It's not just gender-based. And, you know, trying to break out of those stereotypical roles has been hard. And even I've been in aviation for over 10 years now. The changes I've seen already are crazy, but they're still we're still so far behind where we need to be. And that's the unfortunate part, but I'm glad there's groups like there are out there to help us through and podcasts like yours to show diversity in the industry. Like, I love that. Now, who is someone in aviation you admire and why? I wouldn't necessarily say that there's anyone specific in aviation, but that being said, I do admire people that have had to deal with facing adversity in the workplace or paving the way for the rest of us. You know, there's so many stories about people, you know, being a trailblazer in specific careers or facets of aviation. And you're like, thank you for that. Thank you for doing that for us. Uh, I can't pinpoint one person in particular. There's, I've had different people in different careers that I've been in that have definitely helped me, you know, from the smiley guy in the back of the office that always makes you feel welcome at work. I admire them from the person that believed in you and gave you your first job in aviation. Like I admire them. Somebody, people that take a chance on people, you know, I've had those people that I was not qualified for the job or the most qualified, but somebody still believed in me, gave me a position, trusted me with it. And I created something out of it. Now, those are the type of people in aviation that I admire. Every single person I've seen in aviation that has started their own business during this hard time. Every person that, you know, reaches out to you and you send them a message, even though you don't know them. I admire all of them. So I think it's a collective energy of people that I admire. And everyone has something unique to offer to your relationship, to aviation. And that's what I love about the industry. What is your ultimate aviation career goal? That is a hard question. I don't think I have a career goal right now in mind. I have like a feeling of a career. I want to be in a job that is secure, that I'm happy in, that keeps me on my toes, that's exciting. I don't know what facet of aviation that will be in. So I couldn't say, no, I want to be in rotary for the rest of my life or I want to be in fixed wing or this and that. I think the feeling of job security, which I know is hard sometimes, um, just somewhere I feel like I'm part of a family, I guess. You know, I like going to work. I like my job. It's, it's challenging, but I'm good at it. Um, I have a lot of colleagues that I like to work with, things like that. And something that I'm not bored in for sure. So probably in operations management because that's where my passion is. Um, but I'm pretty much open to anything. I think it'll fall into place when it needs to. And I think just continuing to work with amazing people and having an exciting job will do it for me. Well, if you're ever the airport manager for one of the, the top five airports in Canada, you, you have to let me have at least a tour. Oh, 100%. <laughs> 
free tours all around. <laughs> the Girl Scouts are coming for tours. <laughs> Everyone you know will have tours. Yeah, totally. What are some things you enjoy outside of aviation? I am an avid traveler. I love traveling and exploring the world. Um, I've been to quite a few countries. Luckily, I got to go on a trip before COVID happened. Uh, so I did, I think, like eight or 10 countries in Europe in 2019 was like my last big trip. Um, but yeah, I love it. I love experiencing new cultures, kind of going there and seeing, seeing how they do things, their day-to-day life, exploring, going hiking there, or just walking around the city center, sitting on a beach, whatever it is. I just like, I love different cultures and experiencing different places. Well, from that perspective, aviation seems like such a logical fit. It does. I honestly did have done less traveling in aviation than I thought I would do in a career in aviation, but that's okay because it still gives you the time to do it in your spare time, not for work. But did get to go a few places when I was a flight attendant and um, a few places in other roles. But uh, yeah, it's kind of nice because you can then still keep work and uh, personal travels separate which is nice now please share with me a favorite memory or highlight from any point in your career one of my most memorable was my first discovery flight in a 172 when (laughs) the flight instructor said you have control and i grabbed that yoke and i was like this is what freedom feels like this is what freedom is me flying this scary little aircraft (laughs) like and i loved every minute of it about it like the smell of the 172 the old 70s like gas smell the ugly brown chairs in it or seats in it I'm like what is this thing I don't know but I love it so that's definitely one um you know the first time I flew in the flight deck of 737 for a long longish haul flight a couple hours like this is amazing I got to see you know you're on the most uncomfortable seat in the world the folding one between the door and you're just looking at the flight deck and you're like, wow, like we're in the sky. I love every part of this, seeing all the clouds, everything. And then obviously my first helicopter ride was way louder than I expected, even with my hearing protection. But you know, you're in this tiny little thing. And every time I'm in an aircraft, doesn't matter what kind it is. I'm like, I know the science behind it. I know how they operate, but every single time I'm like, This is amazing. I'm in the air. We're in a different world and I love it. Now, before we wrap up today, where can our listeners find you on social media? On Instagram, my personal is at Janelle Walters. And I will make sure we have that link in the episode description for our listeners. Janelle Walters, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. The Holding Short Podcast is a production of Holding Short Media. The show is written and hosted by me, Laura Matheson, and edited and produced by Cameron Bokoff. Our music is an original composition of Riley Searles. If you would like to learn more about the show, the Holding Short podcast is on Instagram and Facebook at Holding Short Media. Please subscribe, rate, and review us.